0: Julia Gerlach, Executive Editor of No-Till Farmer. Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast series brought to you today by Yetter Farm Equipment. I encourage you to subscribe to this series which is available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Farm Equipment for sponsoring today's episode. Yetter Farm Equipment has been providing farmers with solutions since 1930. Today, Yetter is your answer for finding the tools and equipment you need to face today's production agriculture demands. The Yetter lineup includes a wide range of planter attachments for different planting conditions, several equipment options for fertilizer placement, and products that meet harvest time challenges. Yetter delivers a return on investment and equipment that meets your needs and maximizes inputs. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. At the end of August 2021, the South Dakota Soil Health Coalition hosted the South Dakota Soil Health School. The agenda featured presentations from producers and technical experts from across the state and region, as well as hands-on experiences in the field. Area producers also shared their challenges and successes with various methods for improving soil health. For this No-Till Farmer podcast, we caught up with Anthony Bly, soils field specialist with South Dakota State University Extension, who is a presenter at the event. In an interview with associate editor, Sarah Hill, Anthony discusses the interconnected relationship between water and soil, how cover crops fit into profitable cropping systems, the importance of minimal soil disturbance, and more. Here are Anthony and Sarah. So talk a little bit about
1: uh, your presentation today and maybe some of the key takeaways.
2: Well, you know, we're here talking about drought and um, I see I see soil management as as to be used in times of, of excess water and not enough water. And the relationship or the interconnecting relationship between those two is, is vitally important because we all know when we have too much water, it's you know, it's a curse in a way. But but it, it's really um, it's really a blessing in disguise because. Um, we need every drop of water when it gets dry like this time, this this year. And so right. if we have systems, soil health systems that can take in water effectively, then we can get through drier periods. Now, albeit there's there's always examples of extreme dryness where no amount of good management is going to overcome what we like to see. Right. You know, a profit or a good crop. But even in the end, when When that dryness ends and we have that good soil there, we can just take right off again. Mm -hmm. I mean, so uh, it's interrelated. That's why I started talking about too much water at the beginning and then tried to lead that into every drop counts.
1: Absolutely. So. Talk a little bit about how cover crops and no-till fit into a, a good soil health management
2: system. Oh, absolutely. You know, we talk about the soil health principles in South Dakota and we've identified five and, and no-till minimum, very minimal disturbance is, is a big part of that. You, you really can't get the others to work without, without the minimal disturbance. So that's why no-till is, is, is so important. Um, the cover crops come in as as providing uh, the, the soil life with 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 food with energy, because any crop that we plant, any cover crop that we plant, is exchanging carbohydrates for nutrients in the soil, and so that benefits the soil microbial activity, that benefits nutrient cycling, uh, that benefits the carbon cycle, the nitrogen cycle, the sulfur cycle, all of those things that need to take place to, to get to a, a, a good level of crop production.
1: I thought it was interesting one of the things you said about how the soil froze and then one month later it was 106 degrees. Absolutely. So the soil biology was kind of left in limbo, not sure what to do. Exactly. How might having cover crops in a field help that soil microbiology be more resilient and deal with some of those weather extremes?
2: Sure. You know, we, we, we talk about cover crops moderating uh, soil temperatures, mm-hmm. um, moderating soil moisture as well when we have too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've even seen cover crops extracting water from deeper depths and, and ha- actually have more water under our cover crop than we do where we don't have a cover crop, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. But, but <clears throat> that's that natural cycle that that, that living root helps uh, provide. And you know, the prairie, if we, if we try to mimic the prairie, it started growing really early and it ended really late. And, and the, kind of the problem with, with our, our two main crops, corn and soybeans, is they're warm season plants. And they like to grow when it's warm, and that's the middle of our growing season. And so, if we can place things at the beginning and at the end, we've we've gotten into a place where we're, we're really mimicking that prairie again, which which really is how our soils developed is under that system. Mm-hmm. And so, um, anything we can do to do that is is really important.
1: So now earthworms play a key role in helping build that soil you mentioned that the earthworms use that residue and they pull it down into their middens can you talk a little bit more about how that works
2: yeah you know the picture i showed was uh was was nightcrawler specifically and 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 you know i'm not a worm expert at all (laughs) Um, i i do have a little knowledge of worms and there's very few people that that have studied them uh, the night crawlers, especially, I've heard, aren't native, but they they come into uh, undisturbed soils, and uh, you know maybe it's a relic of the time that we're in. If if we still had prairie here and we weren't farming, would we have night crawlers? And I think we would. I think I think they were they were coming into their own, and it just happened in this time. and And so, what those night crawlers do is they have burrows that are very deep in the soil and they move up and down that burrow and and that uh, residue that they pull down their holes is, is a food source eventually they are just uh, advancing the decomposition of that food source and it's a protection the middens are our protection for their burrow mm-hmm. they can't leave their burrow open to the to the atmosphere mm-hmm. otherwise it you know it's can come under attack from rainfall or whatever,
1: or potential predators. Right, sure. so
2: so they cover that 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 burrow with a, a hut, and so the residue serves that purpose too.
1: And so then, how do cover crops act as that residue or help provide some of that residue for night crawlers?
2: It's just additional residues that are there when when see the the natural cycle for the soil is to break down to use the carbon in that. And, and, and to balance out at, a, at about 18 to 24 to 1, okay? And, and so they're going to break down those residues, and if those residues are, if we're at a time of year when there isn't a lot of residues there, in a healthy soil, you, you fight to keep residues on the soil surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so those cover crops serve that purpose as providing additional residues for those night crawlers.
1: Okay. So I thought one of the most interesting things that you said was that bare fields and, that have been tilled with the soil uh, left bare look, the soil looks like the moon. Yeah. And I mean, when folks think of the moon, they think of a bare, dry, barren soil. Environment, yeah. um, And so that's a very powerful metaphor, I think, for uh, helping growers to realize we don't want our soil to look like that
2: no 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 because nothing
1: grows on the moon obviously nothing
2: grows on the moon yeah exactly i mean there's there's no there's no life cycle on on the moon and, and so uh, when we put our soils in a position to go against that life cycle and, and to be kind of an artificial prop um for crop production because we have a lot of producers that do a lot of tillage that can grow wonderful crops we can't deny you can't sit here and deny that that's true i mean that that is a fact of life and that's why they do that uh but it's kind of an artificial it it, it's it's going against the natural cycle of, of, of of the soil and and uh so as much as we can get away from that and and ramp up those natural cycles the nutrient cycles and and the water cycle and all those things Uh, the better off we're going to be.
1: Absolutely. So talk a little bit about the research experiment with Bode One Farms Mm -hmm. in Baltic, South Dakota. Um, What were some of the key findings from your research there?
2: Well, uh, cover crops helped water infiltration. Um, Every one of those little uh, comparisons, I pointed out the fact that when we added a cover crop, we decreased the amount of time for the water to go in the soil. So that's a good thing. We can take more water in. The other fact was that 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 uh, most recent massive tillage that was done really increased the amount of time to infiltrate water, uh, so we can't take as much water, and and that's a situation where we need the most water in, in that in that in that uh, intensive tillage uh, time frame because because we've removed the water from the soil, and so we need it now. We can't take it in that's not a good thing. So cover crops benefited. Uh, no-till definitely takes in more water. Uh, leaving the soil alone is, is, is a good way to start getting more water in the soil.
1: Great. Well, um, I thought some of the pictures that you shared uh, comparing the soil were, were very interesting with um, how light and fluffy the soil was compared to like a hard, tight yeah. compact ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and another interesting picture uh, showed the color differences. Can you talk a little bit more about um, those visual cues in the soil sure. and how growers can identify those?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You got to be able to identify. Uh, it's hard to do when you're standing out in a single solitary field and you look and you say, now, what does this look like? But when you put them side by side, it's so obvious and you pick that out in the pictures. So the color is, is, is organic material. Um, generally our soils that are tilled more have less organic material because we're artificially oxidizing that material out of the soil. And then another thing is I've often heard it explained as chocolate cake. You know, you cut open a cake and put that piece on your plate, and you see all the holes and the pores, and then you see the cake that you want to eat, right? You don't want to eat the air, and, and right? It's moist, yeah. okay? So um, that's the kind of thought you have to put in your mind: is is that good, healthy soil has pore space for air and water; it has clumps of sand, silt, and clay, and organic matter that are the actual homes for microbes Mm -hmm. and the nutrient cycling process goes on in those aggregates. We call those aggregates. And and those aggregates are more pronounced. They're more stable. They can withstand adverse uh, conditions. They can hold up more weight, uh, more equipment weight. Uh, They can resist rainfall impact. They don't blow as easily. Um, uh, It's just so many um, there's just so many more benefits to a healthy soil. It's just it, it, it's a what should I say? It's 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 a no-brainer. Is is, a, is that a fair term? Um, it, it, it's just easy to see.
0: We'll get back to Anthony Bly and Sarah Hill in a moment, but I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment, for supporting today's episode. Yetter Farm Equipment has been providing farmers with solutions since 1930. Today, Yetter is your answer for finding the tools and equipment you need to face today's production agriculture demands. The Yetter lineup includes a wide range of planter attachments for different planting conditions, several equipment options for fertilizer placement, and products that meet harvest time challenges. Yetter delivers a return on investment and equipment that meets your needs and maximizes inputs. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O dot com. Now let's get back to Anthony Bly and Sarah Hill as they talk about how plant roots behave differently in low disturbance soils versus high disturbance systems.
1: So one of the things that you had mentioned was talking about how uh, the roots of plants or crops planted into Mm -hmm. those soils um, the difference in how those roots have to struggle to get down into, the, into that harder, compacted, sure. unhealthy soil versus uh, not struggling to flourish in that uh, richer soil with Environment. More air.
2: Yeah, so when we have soil with more pore space, the, the plant roots investigate that more freely. Um, in fact, uh, I'm kind of wondering... You know, we find a few less roots in some of our no-till fields because I think the plants don't, they don't have a brain. But I, there's a signal there that tells them that they need to struggle more. And I think they struggle less um, in, in a healthy soil. But, yeah, they find deeper channels and get deeper in the soil. have We've pulled up corn plants that have a three-foot root on them. I mean, that's just a fluke. You don't you don't try to do that. It just happens to you. And I should probably include that slide, but I've had other producers telling me that, I, I pull up that corn plant and the root just kept coming and coming and coming. And they said, yeah, because it, it, it was following a channel down deep in your soil. And those channels are, you know, they, they get water into the soil. Every so drop counts this year.
1: You don't want that to be a fluke, right? You, right. you want that to be the norm.
2: Yeah, it, it's a fluke because that root is is weak. And they usually break off, and so it's 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 very rare chance that you'll be able to pull that whole root out of that channel. You know, <laughs> it's just kind of kind of a funny thing. In fact, my son and I were doing it, and it was like we have to take a picture of this.
1: Wow, <laughs> it was
2: really three feet long. Wow. Yeah.
1: So, uh, you shared some data showing uh, the difference between uh, native grass, uh, no-till.
2: Co- soil health, yeah.
1: Cover crop system, uh, with livestock and co- crop rotation, uh, and then a system that didn't have any, that was conventional.
2: This conventional way, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, talk a little bit about the results that you shared comparing those three.
2: Things. Sure. Yeah the the conventional system had the lowest porosity, so the the less lower amount of voids in the soil. Uh, the native grass that had the highest and, and then the soil health system was somewhere in the middle. And, and so while we have to we have to grow crops to to produce food, um, you know, that's that's a that's a good you know, we're sacrificing something from that native grass system, but but we're using it for a different purpose. So so we know the soil health system is 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 advanced when it comes to our conventional our conventional uh, ways of doing things. Along with that higher porosity, uh, we had more carbon in our soil health system. Of course, the native grass had the most because uh, it hasn't been ever disturbed. And, and so it had the most, but um, you know, that soil is, is it has a lower bulk density. That's a term a soil physicists used to describe the weight of soil. Actually, it's the weight. It's the amount of soil per area or volume of soil. And so uh, um, that, that uh, soil health system is, is more airy, has more porosity, more, more places to store water, uh, more air exchange, which is good for an aerobic environment, which our, our microbes tend to be that way.
1: Sure. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I thought you were very blunt about sharing was that if there's more topsoil, you're going to get a better yield. Yes. <laughs> so talk a little bit about that seemingly yeah. obvious. Seemingly conclusion. obviously, yeah, yeah. But yet uh, with more tillage, we run the risk of losing that topsoil. Well, to
2: well the, the question really is, why are we working so hard to get rid of such a benefit, beneficial thing? Uh, our topsoil is, is all we got. And it it, it takes a long time to, to make soil. I mean, you don't do it next year. Uh, it, it takes a lot of investment in regenerative processes to, 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 to do that. And so it seems like that our practices are designed around the fact that the more we till and uh, the more we lose. And and that just it doesn't make sense. And that's why I was so blunt about that.
1: <laughs> we, need <it.
2: laughs> we need it. We need it. We need it. That's why that's how you make money farming. That's how you get better crops. That's... that's uh, it's a it's a richness
1: for sure Mm -hmm. so um talk a little bit about uh the raindrop splash yeah um and where does that soil go when it's bare and that raindrop hits it uh what happens to the soil and what can be? Yeah,
2: result. that that unprotected soil that's not strong and doesn't have good soil health. Um, that raindrop dislodges sand, silk, clay, and organic matter and microbes, and it's no longer in its environment. It's in. The, it's no longer in its environment, and so it's it's subject to washing away. Because uh, that soil is not taking that water in effectively, it's not functioning effectively, and so it's it's not yours anymore. I mean that that's that's the story there. You don't want your soil to be in that situation, mm-hmm. and, and so even if that <clears throat> soil doesn't fully leave that field, it leaves that that space and is is decreasing the soil health where you know where it came from. And it's also covering up soil where it's going. In fact, we've seen uh, fields that have had poorer soil being deposited on better soil. So you see the reverse. You know, you you imagine the, the prairie had high organic matter in the surface. And, and now we've eroded the good soil off higher elevate, you know, higher places in the landscape and put on top of that good soil is there, but now we're eroding poor soil off and putting it on top of, okay. So it's a, yeah, see what I'm yeah. pointing out? That, that is very common. Wow. That's very common.
1: How can cover crops help uh, mitigate some of that?
2: Oh, well, we keep the ground covered, <laughs> first of all. That's so important that you keep, uh, you know, Dan, Dan Forge's talking about the importance of ground cover because where he farms, there, it's less rainfall there. And that water conservation becomes even more important there. Mm-hmm. So keeping the ground covered, the cover crops do that. They provide a living route for the microbes to cycle nutrients, the residues that are there, mm-hmm. putting more of the nutrients in the organic form than the inorganic form. Which, which keeps them in place. A producer, Jeremy Wilson from North Dakota, coined the term catch and release. You know, it's like fishing, but the, the, the cover crops are catching the uh, nutrients, holding them and then releasing them at some point. That's a good thing for an environment. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, a t- it's temperature moderation. It's, it's just a living root aspect and the, the cover crops provide a lot of things.
1: So, one of the things that I thought was interesting that you talked about is that we've looked at some ancient civilizations that uh, perhaps fell because they didn't mm-hmm. manage their natural resources, yep. um, like soil. Yeah. Uh, how close are growers in America to that tipping point? You know... And can we come back from that?
2: We're really blessed in the, in the North, North America to have some of the best soils on the planet. And it, those soils are going to take a lot of abuse. And I, I, I think in the landscape, we've seen soils that have been given up on. You know, they've been put back to grass. I can give you examples in the Far East, of Jefferson and Washington wrote about the westward expansion and how important it was to find new soil you know there's an area in Missouri that I know that had uh uh, farmers on it that uh the the state came in and bought them out because the soils were just so exploited so it depends on our soil resource to begin with how much it can take and you know the glaciated soils can take a lot uh the prairie built them up a lot so I'm not I'm not advocating a doomsday thing here for the near future, not at all. But it's it's about preventing that from that runaway train from happening at some point. So I I, I don't think we're close by any means, but you know, in Iowa they've done studies of, of the soil survey and it's changed. We've changed the landscape. You know, we're here just advocating that we reverse that process and we start actually the building process back again and, and we take that process back. The
1: change is possible.
2: Right. Oh yeah. it is, yeah. Yeah, it's possible. And we can do all this. We can we can have the things we want and do it a different way. And it'll be better for everything right that, that's the story
1: sure yeah. so um let's talk a little bit about this report that you uh passed out to yeah. Um, yeah what are some of the key takeaways uh for our, our listeners well
2: of course this is this is work done in south dakota right. um so if if you know uh, this research is regional I wouldn't want someone in Iowa or Illinois or Ohio to pick this up and say, well, this is the way it is here too. It could be. It could very well be sure. that that's that's science, but it just shows that, that proper management with cover crops and grazing does not harm the soil. Great, that's as, great. As, now if you throw in a really wet year in 2019, like we had and you, do the wrong things it's, it's not going to look as well right so the key statement there was proper management
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i think something interesting too that you mentioned was about the mindset and how you have to have a different mindset for a wet year compared to a, a drier year Like, like
2: sure year. you're going to do things differently based upon the environment that you're in and 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 the soil health system works in both but you're gonna make different decisions sure. accordingly. Yeah.
1: So, where could our readers go for more information about proper soil management and and managing soil health, even in drought conditions?
2: Well, there's, there's these there's there's these articles that we have at our South Dakota State University Extension website. There's there's a few there that my colleagues and I have written, but we've partnered with. We help develop and partner with the uh, Soil Health Coalition in South Dakota and they've got a lot of resources as well. And they've probably got links to ours, you know, and things like that. Uh, the South Dakota Grasslands Coalition is a great place to find uh, resources about managing grasslands. And then the No-Till Association in South Dakota has has been a long standing uh, group promoting conservation and reduced tillage and no-till and things like We've that. We've
1: recognized them for that yeah, from the media. Yeah. Uh, received awards from us. Tra- for you know,
2: pioneers, tra- trailblazers, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so there well, you go.
0: Thanks so much okay. for your time. Really yep. appreciate it. Yep. you're welcome. Thanks to Anthony Bly and Sarah Hill for this conversation about the interconnectedness between water, soil, tillage practices, and cover crops. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notilfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment, for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lessetermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or the Google Play Store to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our No-Till Insider Daily and weekly email updates and Dryland No-Tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Executive Editor Julia Gerlock. Thanks for tuning in.